Welcome to Context with Advanced Design. Context is a podcast where laid-back conversations on design, life, and everything in between happen. In this show, we interview experts in our field, but also students, educators, and anyone who's a part of the industrial design family. Thank you for tuning in. For today's episode, we welcome Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey is an LA-based freelance industrial designer and professor with over a decade of experience developing mobile consumer electronics such as smartphones, tablets, smartwatches, and fitness bands. From 2008 to 2012, Jeff worked at Samsung's Mobile Design Lab in LA where he designed a wide variety of mobile phones such as AT&T's Rugby 3 and the Galaxy Mini, which sold more than 10 million units globally. Let's get started. Jeff is a professor at the Art Center in Pasadena, California. So we're very excited to have you here, Jeff. Thank you so much for making time for us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. So let's just kind of dive right in uh, and kick things off by talking about um, Art Center, because even though you're teaching there now, you also are a graduate of Art Center and uh, would love to hear how you kind of made your way into Art Center, um, and then we can kind of dive into that. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, my background to Art Center is kind of interesting. You know, it's, uh, I, I'm a, prob- uh, a product of, you know, the Los Angeles Unified School District. So in high school, um, you know, I was exposed to a lot of interesting, um, you know, back, back when I was in high school in the 90s, um, Northeast LA um, was kind of a rough neighborhood. You know, there's a lot of gangs around and things like that. So um, I found myself getting really interested in skateboarding and graffiti culture. So I was, uh, you know, there's a lot of gangs around. I didn't want to really get mixed up with those guys, but, you know, skateboarding around and doing some, you know, graffiti pieces on, you know, different yards and stuff like that. That was like my first exposure into art. So I wasn't really like, you know, the kid that was taking art classes, like from the first grade, you know, and Mm -hmm. I, a lot of art, a lot of artists like that, that, you know, they knew they were going to be artists from day one. But for me, I was like more into sports and athletic type stuff growing up, played soccer for seven or eight years, um, you know, in AYSO. (laughs) And, uh, and so basically, you know, when I graduated from high school, I wasn't what you'd call like a, a grade A student, you know, I was, I was just kind of doing enough to get by and uh, graffiti was, was, you know, skateboarding graffiti was kind of my passion. And so I kind of came to this realization that, Hey, I need to get a job and guess what? Like, I want to really do something that gets me excited in life. So, so I went to Pasadena city college um, because I had heard that they had a really good art program. And so when I went there, I was just taking standard art classes and then I just, you know, I'll never forget it. It was like this one day that I saw this student with like a rendering of like a TV remote control and it was all rendered in markers and looked real. And, you know, as a graffiti artist, like, you know, we're always rendering those Mm. letters, you know? So I was like, man, what did you, what class did you take? Like, what is that? And then he's like, oh, there's this class called rendering um, taught by this guy by Stan Kong, right? Mm. Stan Kong, he's kind of a famous guy in the, you know, in the art center world because he's he's been responsible for um, kind of inspiring 
a lot of kind of inner city kids um, that go to PCC and giving them the dream that they could go to Art Center and, you know, be a designer in the real world. So I took his rendering class, then I took his product design class. And, you know, he's one of those instructors that talks a lot about all the different stories and, and all the cool things around, you know, making things and, and being an industrial designer. So after taking his class, I was really hooked on on that career. And I would say that the reason why um, I got excited about it is I understood that it was one of those careers that you can make anything your job, whatever mm -hmm. you're passionate about, whether if you like to ride horses, you could design paddle in the helmet. If you like to snowboard, you just go work for Burton and you do snowboard boots and that's your thing, you know? So I just loved how diverse of a career. And then also you have the power to make those things that you love better. You know, and that's kind of like what Stan really preaches is that, hey, we're here to make the world a better place. And like, hey, if you like to DJ, which that's one thing I forgot to mention is I was also a DJ, <laughs> like a analog, you know, vinyl mm -hmm. DJ in high school and college. So I had like the Techniques SL1200s. <laughs> my favorite projects was like, you know, taking the turntables and making them more portable and kind of this bag that all folds together into this... Mm -hmm dj system so i just love that like in industrial design um you know you can work on whatever gets your blood flowing faster you know what gets you know those goosebumps on your arms like that can be your job mm -hmm. i spent three years at pcc to prepare my portfolio and uh 2003 i was accepted into art center um college of design so it was uh, a great it was super awesome to you know pcc yeah was just an amazing experience to, to help me get there. That is really awesome. I, I love the story because this professor sounds like a legend, right? Whenever I think of really good educators, I think about educators that are already teaching um, at really good schools. Um, but this professor kind of was teaching at a community college. And usually when we think of community colleges, we think of like, oh, I'm just passing through here onto my next, you know, journey or onto my next big thing. And uh, this guy is responsible for opening a lot of doors for, I, I can't imagine how many designers really benefited from his education. Um, so that that's really cool story. Um, and then you got into Art Center, which is a really big deal um, because it is one of the most competitive and um, probably one of the best schools in the world for design. Um, and um, a little bit about Art Center is that as far as from my perspective, and this is for what I know and from when I've talked to uh, friends who've gone to Art Center is that a lot of students that go to Art Center are not like they graduated in May or in June from high school and then in August they're at Art Center. Um, the majority of the time, um, a lot of art center students are still in their early 20s, but closer to mid 20s. And they've gone through community college. They they built a portfolio elsewhere, and then they've come to art center. And um, I honestly think that's the reason why art center is one of the best schools in the world because of this student body who comes in and. Uh, they're already mature. They know what they want. They're very focused. They're not coming in here to party. They're coming here to, you know, work. Um, 
And my question to you is, was that you? You know, were, were you coming to Art Center to, were you going to college to party or were you going to Art Center like, let's get to work, right? So, yeah. <laughs> and this is such a funny thing, but, you know, I feel like I got a lot of that partying out of my system in high school. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I just didn't, mm -hmm. I wasn't a good high school student and, you know, I was DJ, skateboarding, graffiti, I, you know, so, you know, it's funny. It's like, I tell this story a lot because in high school, a lot of people saw me as like, oh yeah, Jeff, like we think maybe he's a smart guy, but you know, he's just, you know, a party guy. Right. Um, but then like, you know, once I kind of got out of high school, I'm like, okay, it's time to buckle down and like, let's, let's get this career rolling. Like let's, let's do something that's gonna make my life fun. You know? And I knew that like, Hey, I'm looking at my parents. I'm looking at all these adults around me. What do they spend most of their time doing working? Right. So it's like, I need to find some job that's fun. Um, so it's like, by the time I made it to art center, I was like, already had a lot out of my system as far as, you know, partying and, you know, getting that social kind of experience. And, you know, obviously I spent, or not sure if you knew, but it was like a three years time in mm -hmm. as well. I wasn't like a rushed, you know, I, I didn't have, thankfully my parents weren't like, you know, giving me a ton of pressure to be like this, you know, super successful person. So, you know, they allowed me to go through the process I need to go through in community college to kind of find my um, But yeah, it's like, there's other students I saw in high school that they were doing like very well in high school, like almost prude, but then like, then they went to college and like they partied a lot. So it was just like, for me, like the thing I always think is interesting. It's like, for me, I didn't do that great in high school, but I graduated with honors in college, right? And got a good job. But then others might, you know, in high school do really well. And then, and then that GPA drops when they finally get to a little bit of partying in college. So for yeah. me, like, you got to find those right moments to peak, you know, and yeah. like, peaking in high school might not be the best, depending on, you know, obviously I know that in other, if you're trying to go to Harvard, like straight out of high school, then, you know, you they have a different career path than myself. But, yeah. you know, for me personally, I feel like it allowed me to kind of grow and mature, like you said. And so when I got to Art Center, like, I didn't have any desire or need to like, oh, I'm missing out on this party that's happening this weekend. I was ready to work because I, I have this competitive, like, what I'd like to think of as like kind of a healthy competitive mindset where I want to go there and be the best, you know, mm -hmm. be the best that I can be. And if there's a student in the class that's better than me, I want to compete and and be in the same you know level and, or get you know raised up to that level. So, so yeah, it's like I feel like to be successful at Art Center, you either have to have already had some experience of like you know doing the social partying thing, or you're just you know you're just all about business and you're already yeah. ready to buckle down. So yeah, plus Art Center is pretty expensive education and uh you don't you know you want to definitely milk every second that you're there um but that's, um yeah and that's one thing just to put in there is like you know i come from i wouldn't say i come from poverty but i you know i'm like a middle class family and uh my parents couldn't afford it you know right. but they could afford to pay for a little bit right mm -hmm. so I wanted to get a scholarship to come in, which is one of the reasons why I spend extra time in community college 
um, to try to get my portfolio at a level where I could get a scholarship, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that Stan from, from Pasadena City College really, the, the most amazing thing I think that he did was that he made you know us believe that we could go there even if we thought that we couldn't afford it. And like, I know even one girl, like, you know, she, I remember in class, like, you know, she, her and her family, like they all split like a one bedroom apartment and like wow. the parents were sleeping on the couch, you know, that kind of situation. And she was just super smart and super hardworking. And she ended up getting a full ride. You know, she's a Stan Kong uh, product from PCC. And uh, she got a full ride scholarship to Art Center with, it was sponsored by Nike and with a guaranteed internship at Nike in her fifth term. Wow. And it's all coming from the guidance of, you know, Stan at, and Albert, another amazing instructor at PCC. And, you know, Stan, he graduated from Art Center himself, you know, so he, he didn't want, you know, he was really passionate about, hey, let's bring up these local kids, you know, these kids that aren't coming from money and, you know, they can't afford, you know, to just pay the tuition. Like, I want to give them a way to where, hey, let's work on our portfolios here. Let's spend some time here. So when we apply, like, you're going to get like a quarter scholarship, depending on what your financial need is and, and your skill and all that. So it was just, it was just an amazing environment to be a part of. That's, that, that's amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, because, you know, Stan could have stayed at, at Art Center teaching, um, teaching all these, you know, gifted kids. And, and instead, he, he went into community college. And, um, and I think that's, you know, we'll talk about this a little later, but that might be the problem in the economics of education here in America is that education is, I would say, elitist because you have to have money to go. And if you don't have money, whether you're talented or whether you're creative, you're kind of screwed unless you could find money or unless you could borrow money um, to be part of this very, like, you know, club. Um, but before we dive into that, like, huge shout out to community colleges, right? I mean, they, they um, honestly, you know, I think when we think of education, we think of this, like, traditional route of going to a really big, you know, school after you graduate high school and and honestly there's a hundred ways to to arrive to to your dream job and uh there's some very successful people that never went to college and are doing amazing things to push humanity and to push our industry forward um so uh yeah you just got to find the way um i have these conversations with you know, my nephews and nieces who are in high school and are thinking about college and, and they come to me because I'm in education and, and they're expecting me to give them that kind of default answer. Like, oh yeah, go to college and work hard four years. And I used to do that, like maybe the first couple of years. And then now I'm like, nah, like one, what do you want to do? And two, figure out how you're going to get there. Um, and it doesn't have to be this traditional route um, because, uh, you know, and then I bring up, you know, like financial literacy and things like that, because it's just something that we don't talk about in our, you know, society. Um, so, yeah, this is, it's an awesome, awesome story that you have there. You left Art Center. And then what happened after you left Art Center? So, you know, when I left Art Center, 
you know, it's funny that we, the conversation does kind of shift back to um, the financial situation. So Mm -hmm. I graduated um, at the very end of 2007. It was like December 15th, I walked stage. And so imagine if, if everyone can remember that 2008 um, wasn't exactly an amazing year to graduate. You know, there's a lot of companies, uh, the, the recession I would say when I graduated, the recession, everyone knew it was coming, but it hadn't really hit yeah. um, super hard. But I was like interviewing with companies in January, February, and they're all, it's funny, it wasn't on my radar. Like I was just in the art center world. Like when I was doing the interviews and like some of the guys were talking about, oh, like the future is looking, we're not sure what, you know, the projects in the pipeline for this year. And then I'm like, oh, really, what's going on? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, the recession, I'm like, oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. I was very lucky um, when I graduated that there was a lot of companies interested in me, you know, mm-hmm. so even within that recession, um, I had my grad show. And I think that's what a lot of people, you know, obviously the art center education is amazing, but also you're paying money for that grad show. You know, you're paying money for that industry night where you have your work on display and all the industry people come and you have a pretty much a guaranteed interaction with 10 to 15 companies that are looking to add some talent to their team. So, you know, I got to do interviews with companies like, um, you know, One & Co in San Francisco, um, Adidas, TaylorMade Golf, um, Fisher, Fisker and Peichel Appliances, um, Wet Design, uh, Stuart Carton Design. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I did, I had like seven interviews, right? And, uh, you know, out of all of those, um, I'm sorry, I didn't mention, actually, One & Co, I was just talking with them, but it was Lunar Design that actually flew me up for the interview. I had an interview with Jeff Salazar, who's now, I think, a VP or head of, or a partner there. And, And a lot of companies were telling me, you know, like, oh, yeah, we want to hire you, but, you know, we just need to wait a little bit, (laughs) you know, it's like. We're, we're trying to understand the roadmap of projects for the year and things like that. So, you know, I, I had a lot of interviews, a lot of interest and no, no offers on the table yet. But then what happened was it was just one day I was looking on, you know, Art Center has this thing called, it used to be called Full Circle. Um, and it's like this alumni kind of website where you know art center alumni can kind of post jobs there mm-hmm. i don't know if they still have it but i'm pretty sure they do but i just remember i was just browsing for jobs even though i i still had like kind of email interactions with companies they're still like maybe thinking about putting um an offer together or something but i'm always just still looking and then i just noticed that someone had posted that there was a job opening for a junior designer at the Samsung LA mobile design office, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so this, this uh, opportunity, it did come through art center, but it wasn't from my grad show. Right. So Samsung didn't show up in my grad show, but mm-hmm. it was very cold. Like I didn't know the guy, but he was an art center alum. I sent him my work. And then within a couple of days, the, you know, the manager of the design team there, he emailed me and said, Hey, we like your stuff. We want you to come in for an interview. And at this point I had already done like eight interviews. So I felt very comfortable, but also I didn't really have any passion for consumer electronics, to be honest. Like <laughs> I had like, you know, I had like the DJ thing I did, but yeah. other than 
it was like I did like a swim fin for snorkeling. I did like, you know, some, I interned at Vans footwear and ended up doing their protection equipment um, stuff, like as an intern, like working under the ProTech brand. So because I used to skateboard, mm-hmm. it was so fit. Like, so a lot of my projects were more lifestyle and less like tech, right? Um, but, but, you know, Samsung, they, you know, I came in and literally I didn't care <laughs> about like if I get it or not. And maybe that helped me, you know, like I just came into the interview and uh, I presented my stuff and, you know, it was really interesting experience. Like a VP from Korea was there, you know, like, it, wow. so, like when I was presenting, like they would stop me like every like minute and a half and then they would translate and tell him what I was saying in Korean. And then, so it was like, literally I'm talking, they're like, okay, wait up. And then they say it in Korean. They're like, okay, keep going. And then I keep going. And then, you know, so it was this back and forth. And, and at the end of it, I was like, I had no idea whether it went good or not, really. I was okay. And then walk away. <laughs> and then like in a, di- a couple of days later, they email me and it's like, you know, the way they communicate, I thought was interesting. They just said like, congratulations, you passed the interview. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I didn't know that there was a test mm-hmm. to pass, but all right. And then they forwarded me a job application and they're like, can you please fill this out? So I was like, okay, I filled out the job application. And then, you know, one of the most challenging questions there is like, well, what's your salary expectation, right? Mm. So, you know, this was 2008. And I was just like, you know what? Like, you know, Samsung, they're a big company. I mean, let's just, let's just understand though, in 2008, Samsung was not, in my opinion, not as cool as what they are today. Um, yeah. 2008, like pre-Galaxy, right. like, had those electronics where it's all using like that silver color with mm-hmm. the picture you know so even my parents were like not really excited they're like really samsung like but yeah. you know so so i felt like okay well i can be a little bold here so i i put up like a kind of a high number um compared to like what a lot of other junior designers were getting at that time and uh and you know what they they pretty much said yes, like, pretty much, like, I'm gonna say that I asked for, um, you know, if you want, I can, I don't mind to disclose a number, but um, let's just say it was like 20k more than what an average junior designer was making per year, right, so I, I felt like I had nothing to lose, because yeah. I really was not that tech consumer electronics guy, you know, so, so, you know, once they came back and said, here's an offer letter, I was just like, well, you know, I don't have any other offers and, you know, student loan needs to get, you know, I need to start paying those loans, mm. you know, in six months. And uh, so I accepted and I accepted the offer thinking that I'm going to be there two years. That's exactly in my mind. I'm like, I'm going to accept this offer. I'm going to be there two years and then I'm going to move on to the next thing. So, so that's kind of what got me to Samsung is mm. uh, that process of like just searching and interviewing and, and then like kind of understanding what I liked and then just kind of understanding that, hey, like this might not be exactly what I like, but this is kind of the best opportunity for me in this moment. So I just needed to trust the process and take that leap of faith, you know? So the recession was looming when you had just graduated because I remember I graduated in 2009 
Um, but the recession happened during my senior year and I was like, oh, I'll be okay. I'm in school. I'm like protected, right? Like <laughs> um, false. And uh, yeah, the recession was looming. And then you're about to work at Samsung. Um, and then Samsung, I think around this time, th like the smartphone race was about to launch, you know, between Apple, right? Like the iPhone had just launched. And Samsung was kind of going through this like transformative, right? Because they were like, yeah, I, I can imagine. Um, I'm assuming that your interview was kind of weird because Samsung is a, is a Korean company and, you know, very corporate and they don't mess around, right? Like I've heard a lot of stories about Samsung in Korea and how uh, uh, employees there is very structured and things like that. So that's what kind of gave me that idea of why your interview was such such a, confusing um but it's a funny story and then you're about to work at at a, at a tech company a consumer electronics um one of the most competitive you know like that space is really competitive right um like it's competing with it was probably different back then now like you enter that space and you're just like you know every design that you pump out better be like a red dot design award you know like um, because it needs to sell and it's all about, you know, flashy stuff. So you were there more than two years, right? Yeah. Well, so, yeah. So, so I ended up staying at that LA office for four years, mm -hmm. um, years longer, but I was also ready to go out the door at yeah. the end of that four years too. Um, but then you know, they changed the, you know, they raised the table stakes. If you, you know, basically, like you said, um, you know, the iPhone changed the world. And, uh, and so Samsung felt like they needed to change a little bit too. And so just to add a little bit more um, kind of information on what that office was all about, it was, it was a mobile design lab. So mm. we didn't do anything else there other than mobile phones. And so imagine like my first, you know, four years at Samsung, I like to say that I was in like uh, the boot camp for learning how to design feasible consumer electronics um, because like there um, they worked us extremely hard um, and it was fun, but, but let's just say that, you know, at Samsung, they don't evaluate renderings too often. Like, you know, executives, like you're not, you're not showing them renderings. You're showing them mock-ups they're like that's going in they're holding it they're pressing the button they're feeling it they're feeling the form right so mm. so what's really awesome about that is that like all the designs i was working on um they were all being made into mock-ups right and these mock-ups are made in korea at these shops that are just amazing like they the mock-ups that they make they look exactly like the real thing you know like when you hold it tell that it's not real right so imagine like the schedule was pretty much every two weeks like i would go from sketch to rendering cad send it out to the model shop and then model the phone is made right as the as a phone that would be part of some presentation and so sam you know it was a lot of competition internally actually so imagine like Let's just say, here's an example. T-Mobile, they're like, this is like pre-smartphone world. T-Mobile is like, hey, Samsung, um, we need a, the new, a new QWERTY slider phone with this kind of screen and this kind of thickness. 
right? And then so there back then there's so many phones to design because it wasn't like, oh, this one phone designed for all the carriers. Back then mm-hmm. it was it was almost like how cars are, right? It's like t- Toyota has their midsize SUV and then Honda has their midsize SUV. It's all the same size, same doors, same seats, same stuff, but the Honda one looks like Honda, the Toyota one looks like Toyota, right? So so imagine like for every one of those design programs there's like three designers in HQ each doing a phone there's three designers in LA each doing a phone Samsung shows up to the meeting with T-Mobile and there's six phone options and then T-Mobile gonna choose one that they like and then that's the one that goes to production so it's pretty awesome in a way that like wow like you're always getting your phone made into a mock-up and it's going to a meeting and it has a chance to go to production um but some designers, they work there four or five years and they never get anything on the market because it's just, you know, the whatever taste, like from whichever executive or whatever. Um, but I was super lucky that, you know, throughout my time at that four years, that first four years, I had like seven, I would say five to seven phones selected to go to production. And I was young. So for the first couple of them, um, one of the lead designers above me um, helped do the engineering follow-up all the way to production. And that was the other most amazing thing, a part of what, you know, the amazing part of what we were doing is that if your design gets selected production, it's not like going over the, you know, going over the fence and then you cross your fingers that what happens to it is kind of what you had in mind, mm-hmm. but actually doing the follow-up with engineers from the design and CAD perspective. So, you know, engineers send us a document, hey, this doesn't fit, make this, this, make this, that, oh, change this profile, cover this component. And then we're there and we actually have to move those uh, surfaces in CAD and send it back to the team. And it's like a three or four month long process. So I didn't get to do it in the beginning, but towards the end, I got to do it. And that's when my CAD skills became pretty like super human level is like, we're doing a lot of CAD, um, but it's all about preserving that design integrity. And one thing I just learned through that is that no matter how good you are at sketching, um, if you can't make it in CAD, like that's what's really going to the world, not your yeah. sketch. You know, so it's like I, I realized that at Samsung, like being good at, at bringing, you know, building physical beauty and, you know, obviously, you know, functional um, you know, out of 3D modeling, that's what's really going to make you uh, successful in this kind of group, right? Um, so that's kind of like the four years, right? It was not that innovative as far as what should this product be. It was like car design for phones for four years. It was kind of perfect for a junior, for a fresh out of school guy to learn about, oh, this is the minimum thickness for plastic, for aluminum. Oh, this is like how you work with engineers. This is like the part... The, the gap between the parts and like, oh, this is how, even if this part has a hinge, like, oh, they can insert mold this way and that way to avoid all those undercuts, you know? So it was really like tough. And I was, you know, we were doing 60 to 80, 60 to 80 hour weeks every week, you know? Um, but we became strong and, uh, you know, like you just learn a lot of really amazing skills. And, you know, essentially that was LA. Um, but then, you know, essentially I was out the door, ready to move on. And then they said, hey, Jeff, you know, we're, we're moving to San Francisco. 
We're switching from um, a lineup studio to an advanced concept studio. Um, we're no longer like, guess what, T-Mobile, like we don't need to design 150 different phones now as a company. Now we're only designing four or five, like for all these different carriers. So it didn't make sense to have us all still doing mobile phones. Then it moved to now we're here to help Samsung think of new product categories that they can invest in to kind of broaden their portfolio. Isn't it really funny how phone companies used to rule the world? <laughs> they would call the shots. Um, I thought that was always funny, and uh, I'm really happy that com- that you know design that big companies broke uh, kind of broke away from that um, because uh, man, we needed some good looking phones, you know. Um, yeah, so you so you ended up going over to San Francisco then. Um, yep. So, so basically like what, so, so our team was 12 industrial designers, right? Mm-hmm. LA, but then they knew that we didn't need that many in San Francisco, right? So it was a little bit of an uncomfortable moment, but basically they, uh, they only invited three or no, I want to say they invited four out of the 12 to come to San Francisco and then the rest, you know, were let go. Um, so thankfully I was one of the ones who was invited and out of the four that got invited, only three decided to come. But what was really exciting about it is, you know, in LA, we were managed, you know, East Asian style, right? We're, Mm -hmm. I mean, we were managed like very much under an iron fist and like, I mean, we, we loved our boss, right? He was such a cool guy. Um, but like it was aggressive, you know? And so when we went to San Francisco, we were promised that like, hey, this is like the concept for this studio is like, imagine you're gonna work at Frog Design, mm-hmm. company with that kind of culture, but you're just, you know, it's a Frog Design that's owned by Samsung, <laughs> right? So like their goal was, hey, we're gonna move to, you know, move a couple of designers up to San Francisco. Um, we're gonna hire like, you know, Bay Area leadership instead of like, you know, Korean from HQ leadership, right? We're gonna, they renovated this amazing office like right in Jackson Square of downtown San Francisco. So it's just like one of those opportunities that you just can't say no, you know, it's like, I'm an LA guy and I love LA, but it was just like, man, this sounds like such an amazing opportunity to like, you know, go to a new place like work in one of the coolest neighborhoods, like, you know, in San Francisco, like it was on Broadway and Battery, right next to the Battery Club and the Old Ship Saloon. I don't know if you know that area, but just a really nice zone. You could walk to the Embarcadero, um, you know, grab lunch. And then another amazing thing is that I got to be in the interviews for the bosses. (laughs) You know, it's like, see, um, I don't want to name drop, but it's like, I got to see like executives like presenting their work, not executives, like, you know, one guy was a creative director at Frog, another guy was at, you know, Ammunition, another guy was at Google, and I got to see, I was in their interview, and they're, you know, Samsung's asking me, like, who do you want to be your boss, you know, it's like, we're, um, you know, have a say in, like, who our head of design was going to be, and then, yeah, and then we, we built up a UX team, um, and then we're, we, you know, we have an engineering team now. Um, we hired this really awesome dude, Alex Milley, who used to um, work at Frog and Jawbone. And uh, he's a Stanford mechanical engineer, but 
he's like the perfect engineer you'd want to work with because he loves design and he's a super creative. So like, he's the engineer that's going to empower you, not, you know, one that's going to, you know, be like, Oh, this is like impossible <laughs> to make or something. He's, he's very much like passionate about that. So it was just a different experience to be working with a different kind of leadership team that had like, you know, a very different mind state compared to the way that we were managed um, in LA. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I have, I know exactly where that building is at. Um, it's, uh, it is like literally right down the street from, you know, the, the ocean or the, the, the bay pretty much. Um, and it's right next to the battery social club where you have all these like British people who are rich, um, a couple I saw years, Johnny Ive. <laughs> a couple years ago, that's where I saw Johnny Ive. Yeah, so I, I posted it. I posted a picture of him there, and he freaked out and went inside. And one of my biggest regrets of my life. But no, that, that's cool. Yeah, it's, it's an awesome <laughs> building, um, and I know exactly where you're talking about. Plus, San Francisco, like you said, going from LA to San Francisco. I mean, San Francisco is like well, one really small compared to LA. And then two, it is, it's also one of the most competitive, it's probably the most competitive design markets in the world, right? Because you have everything there. You have um, all these companies and, and I'm assuming that's what Samsung wanted to do. They wanted to get a glimpse of this, uh, um, you know, Bay Area design, you know, uh, um, aesthetic and all this kind of really cool stuff that was happening, you know, in tech, that's the place to be. And that's why a lot of companies kind of flock to that Bay Area. Yeah, so basically, you know, where our LA office was, was not like, you know, on the west side by the beach or something like that. It was, um, you know, Rancho Dominguez, you know, like <laughs> an industrial neighborhood, like a little bit more inland from Torrance area. Um, so they actually had tried to hire some like notable director guy. And they're just like, we're not going to work here, <laughs> you know. So they found, you know, they figured out that like, mm -hmm. hey, if you want to hire the best talent, we need to like, we need to provide an inspiring place mm -hmm. to, to get them to come and join, you know? And it's like, and I think they did a really good job. I think Samsung did a great job of understanding that and they put the investment in there and they were able to hire, um, you know, who ended up becoming my boss was a, a guy named Howard Nook, who, uh, you know, he, at the time he was the VP of ammunition and so, you know, he's, you know, they wanted someone a little bit younger, someone a little bit hungrier to like, you know, um, work hard and like make a mark out there, you know, so um, it was, it was an amazing pleasure, you know, to work with Howard and the other designers that were hired after we moved. And like, everyone always looked at us like, oh, yeah, you're, you're, you guys are like, you know, the guys that came here, like, you know. <laughs> Um, from LA and then like so is it you know we were all like super tight but it's just like we we're like the OGs <laughs> from LA and then the other guys that, that had joined um, and they were already like you know working in other areas in the Bay Area and then decided to join the team you know so it was yeah cool. yeah that's that's awesome and for those who don't know Howard Nook he's a pretty awesome guy he's a CEO of Palm and he's actually uh, one of our guests on context. So he's been interviewed. So check out his interview, which is uh, just scroll down. And uh, yeah, he has an awesome story as well. But that Samsung team was stacked with talent, right? And uh, you were there, you know, 
for you know up until 2019 and uh, i think this is a good transition into art center right so you went back to art center to teach um when did that kind of start to happen so you know yeah it's like i ended up the san francisco you know i remember back earlier in the conversation you know i was only joining samsung for two years now it's four years in la and then seven years in san francisco total so 11 years later um i just felt like hey you know what it's like i 11 years and i want to say 18 products launched to market total um amazing throughout smartwatches wearables mobile devices and so I just like, you know, I felt like I had always been passionate about teaching. And even when I was, you know, at Samsung, we had to use this 3D modeling program called NX. And uh, it's like, it's like SolidWorks, but just on steroids, um, you know, it's a lot more capable, but um, it was kind of my job to help um, people that came uh, that are like Rockstar SolidWorks or other programs. Like it was, I was kind of the guy that they would say, hey, go talk with Jeff. And I would give them uh, demos on like how to learn NX, like how to transfer their workflow of how they build CAD into NX. And so I, I always really enjoyed it. I always enjoyed just sharing knowledge and, and bringing, you know, junior designers up and like seeing them struggle. And I, you know, one thing I just identified throughout my time at Samsung is that whether it's junior designer or even like student level, I always saw that students weren't able to, you know, they weren't able to take their beautiful sketch and translate it into an equally beautiful model, you know? And if all those subtleties in their sketch, like equal like a very subtle surface, like in, in, the, in the CAD world, but like it was just more extruded and, and not as detailed. So, and I think a lot of people even wondered why, like, hey, why does my sketch look so good? But like when I put it in CAD, just doesn't have that finesse. And so I realized that I have a passion for, you know, helping people like reach their full potential in that, in that way. So um, also I knew I was going to come back to LA, you know, I moved up to San Francisco with a girlfriend and moved back with a wife and a kid, you know? So it was like, you know, a lot of things happened in that time. And it was just like, you know what, my parents are still here. We have a little person now and, you know, just coming back to LA and utilizing um, the network. Uh, and then also, so, so that was one of the big things. It's like going back to LA is, is getting back to family. And, you know, I did um, have a lot of passion for wanting to teach. And for me, I'm like, hey, if, if I'm going back to Northeast LA, which is right next to Pasadena, like art center is where I want to teach, you know? And so like getting, you know, instead of like, here's the thing this is a funny, funny reality of it is I knew that I could be head of design somewhere, you know, like I'd had a couple different offers from different companies that are asking me to be their head of design. And at the end of the day, what, what I chose was like, Hey, it's like, if I, if I become a head of design person, I, I kind of know what those guys do based on, I was working with Howard super closely and you don't really get to enjoy the craft that much anymore. You know, you're not really a hands-on guy. Um, you're more of like a, you're looking at the whole party, you know, you're looking at, you're looking at all these different things and you're writing lots of emails and talking to executives and things like that. And I just realized about me 
I get super excited about the craft. I'm, I've been a hands-on designer my whole time at Samsung. I didn't really like try to like climb the ladder and be like the director. I just really loved to, the craft of like designing something, sketching it up, like making the mock-ups and then, and then really trying to build it in 3D and capture the beauty of that um, in a 3D model. And so I just felt like I would, I think I'd have more fun. Like, yeah, maybe I wouldn't get paid as much money, but I think I'd have more fun. And then I feel like I'd be giving back to the guys that were kind of like me, you know, like guys that like didn't really know if they could make it or maybe they didn't have the financials or whatever. Um, you know, so, so going back teaching where I came from and, you know, really trying to give what I learned at, at Samsung, which what I felt like one of the, the biggest ones was the feasibility of consumer electronic design and advanced kind of really getting into form language super deep, like bringing that to Art Center. Um, so students there, they could get exposed to, like, cause I know we all know Art Center and most design schools, they focus a lot on design story and, you know, research strategy, empathy with the user. And I love, that. I love all that, but I also want to bring like, you know, really in-depth form mm -hmm. development and really, really, uh, bring that part also to complement um all the other great things that are happening there um so, yeah. so that was pretty much why that that's that's awesome i have to applaud you for that because you could have easily taken a director job and made you know millions of dollars and been very comfortably but the reason why we go into education is like you said absolutely not a for the money because um but we do it because we understand that you know um you know we we will be a part uh of the next of molding the next generation of designers and those next generation of designers um could change the world right and uh it's awesome to be there in the beginning and that's essentially why i was you know inspired to go back into academia and get my graduate degree and um was because of of that long-term kind of vision like you know and also like you um i was i went back to education because i wanted to teach the hector silva from 20 years ago like i was that kid that you're talking about as well right didn't didn't have money to pay for school and and i wasn't gifted i, I had potential so here's my question to you as an educator art center um even though i i like to think that everyone at Art Center is like perfect and very gifted, and I'm sure they're not because um, you have to give a lot of these students a lot of credit because it is a lot of hard work, right? And uh, that's the difference. I, I um, when someone tells me like, oh, like Hector, you're you're so gifted and you're an awesome sketcher or whatever, and I'm like, okay, hold up, like I worked my ass off to that, right? It's not like luck or anything. I wasn't born with that. <laughs> But my question to you as an, as an educator at Art Center is, would you rather teach a student, a gifted student or a student who has potential? Hmm, that is actually a really, really good question. I would say it would really depend on what I'm teaching them. Um, yeah. If I'm teaching them 3D modeling, I would, I would hope that they already have a little bit of chops there because what I'm trying to teach is like, you gotta have a certain introductory knowledge. 
you got to like kind of know how everything works and then I will help elevate you to the next level. So for 3D modeling, um, I prefer to have someone that already knows what an extrude is, like a spline and understands the basics, right? Mm. But as far as just like, you know, general kind of educate, you know, not general, but like just more of like a general product design class, maybe like a younger term. Um, you know, I, I don't really focus too much on where they're at per se. I, I really focus a lot more on where they get to throughout the class, you know? So I really love, when I first went back to Art Center, um, actually the way it happened was I was invited to teach product design one, which is the very, it's like literally like first termers, you know, it's like the first, uh, you know, and some of them literally just finished high school, right? And I, I always remember that that particular class because it was very diverse, you know, you had like some young students that were actually really, really good um, and then like, you know, a couple like slightly older, but, you know, the, the talent level was kind of all, you know, over the board, you know, you had some good, some bad, but it's just like, you know, at this point, you're just trying to get these kids inspired, you know, and, and help them understand like the high level process of, you know, understanding the user and like, you know, thinking about how do you solve some, you know, defining that interesting problem mm -hmm. and then solve it in a really cool way or functional and and there's just so many things there so I would say you know I don't think when it comes to that part if they're talented or not um the part that I really love to see is the growth you know so I will enjoy teaching a student who is passionate and works hard like and that isn't that good versus someone that's really good but like they're just skating through and they're just like, oh yeah, this is my stuff. And I don't, I don't get that excitement from them. I don't see them like growing and, and getting to a level that they weren't at already. Like, I don't really have uh, much passion there. Um, I really have a lot of passion to, you know, teach the students that regardless of where they're at, they have that hunger, you know, they have mm -hmm. that to, to want to improve and, and actually in that case, like, I think I'd get even more uh, kind of excitement when I see someone that actually wasn't really that good at all, but because they worked hard, um, they had, they made that huge jump, you know, mm -hmm. and that, that's what I kind of teach for is seeing, seeing those students that, that want to match the passion and energy that I'm trying to bring to them, you know, and they, they, you know, if, I feel like that's like the respectful way to go about things and like the students that even if they're super talented if i don't know if they don't if they're not excited about what they're doing and they're not working hard like um and like to me it's funny the conversation of working hard versus working smart and all these things i don't i don't want the student that wants to work hard i want the student that's so excited about what they're doing that they work hard but they don't even realize they are like they wouldn't consider this working hard they're mm -hmm. just passionate that they're just working and that it just turns out to be pretty hard if you really look at it mm -hmm. but that's not what in their head working hard is not in their head it's I'm working towards this because I'm super excited about what I'm doing and as a result of that I'm working hard yeah it, it, it becomes part of their DNA right where they're just grinding right and it's like a no-brainer that like obviously they're working hard but you don't even realize it that you're just 
growing. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Um, and uh, you know, now that you're you're at Art Center, what what as an educator, what do you see as one of the biggest obstacles in education, in design education, um, in 2021? Hmm. It's a pretty heavy question. <laughs> it is, and uh, to me, to be honest, it's like I I feel like diversity is kind of tricky right now. You know, mm. it's like you know, and I know that there's a lot of different ways to approach that question that you just asked, but it's like I feel like back when I was a student at Art Center, and I don't want to like single out Art Center. I don't think this is like a problem just for Art Center, but I just feel like there's not a huge diversity of different you know, ethnicities, um, like getting into industrial design, you know, it's like, I feel like, um, you know, I, I, when I was a student, I remember there was like, you know, there was some white kids, some black kids, some Mexican, you know, like a very big range, and then some Asian, you know, some Korean, some Chinese, but, you know, these days, a lot of the students I have are, you know, Asian, right, and, and the thing is, is that, I don't know if it's really because of is if it's financial or if it's really because you know my thought and this could be totally wrong but my thought is that like a lot of the families you know in China that may be exposed to you know different factories or different things like they understand the value of that career they're like man if you become a designer you can create you know industrial design you can create these cool products you can change the world like and financially, like you can get paid pretty well, like, but I feel like, you know, in other places, like, I just feel like some parents or, you know, in LA or wherever in the United States, like they don't really know about the career and mm -hmm. they understand like the, the opportunity and how cool it is. And then also maybe the biggest challenge is financial, right? And there are a lot of, you know, like finance, like, the joke that a lot of people say is like, oh yeah, you look at the art center student parking lot and it's looking hotter than, you know, the faculty parking lot, right? <laughs> you know, like there's, you'll, you'll find an RS6 Audi in the student lot. Um, you're not going to find that in the faculty lot. Um, but, you know, I just, I'm all about diversity. You know, I feel like whether you come from money or you come from zero money or you come from China or you come from Pasadena, like, I feel like I want all these people to have the opportunity to get a design education, whether it's at Art Center or wherever, you know? And it's, I just feel like, to me, the challenge is that a lot of local kids, they don't know about the career. You know, they don't know, like, they, they have all these things in their lives, but they don't know where it comes from, you know? And I feel like one thing that's interesting is when I was in the LA Samsung days, I was invited to teach um, at the Art Center Saturday High. So while I was working at LA Samsung, I, I taught for one year at the you know Art Center Saturday High. And so it was on Saturdays and I was teaching high school kids. And all it was is just like introducing the career of product design to high school kids. And one thing I saw was that because of, of what I was working on, which is Samsung, phones like they don't really care whether it's samsung or apple at that stage they were just like their eyes were just like mm -hmm. it's like dude you design phones like that's mm -hmm. cool and like like then i was invited to like go around to local high schools and present my career path to them and so i'd go to like 
you know, Pasadena High or like other high schools where, you know, these are like, you know, low income neighborhoods maybe or middle class neighborhoods. And I would tell my story about, hey, I'm also a product of public school. And, uh, you know, I grew up in Eagle Rock, you know, not, you know, on the West side or some fancier zones. And, and like, you know, you just see their eyes light up when, when they see like, oh yeah, someone that came from like where we came from is now like creating these kind of products and you just see that excitement, you know? So to me, I feel like the, the, the biggest challenge um, is getting that diverse crew of cultural, financial into this world. So, so we have a more diverse voice out there in the industry providing, you know, this design skill to, to the world, you know? And, and I don't know if that was exactly the path you imagined for the answer on that question, but um, to me, I do think even Art Center realizes that, you know, I, I really respect Art Center because they have a lot of, you know, they really want that diversity too. And they have mm -hmm. scholarships and things. And, and so, you know, it's definitely something that we all want, but I think a lot of it is just getting the word out there. You know, if you don't have students like applying for scholarships and things like that, then, you know, where's that, where's that money go? You know, so getting it out there, I think is, and getting that diversity to me, that's, that's the biggest challenge. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right because we, I mean, that, that is all for sure. I think that's all of education having trouble, especially industrial design, um, which is really funny because you would think that a lot of high school students and even prior to high school, a lot of the products, a lot of the cool stuff that we own is part of pop culture, right? Part of our culture, like Nikes and shoes and there's everything that's tech, everything that's cool. And then even when I was younger, I'd never imagined like, oh, someone's responsible for designing this, you know? So I, I can't put that on the kids now because they're too busy on social media. But when I do go around to high schools and, and when our, our nonprofit advanced design goes around and we do outreach, we, we start at that level, like, you know, your Nikes, everything, you know, because that relates to them. That brings them at a level like, oh my God, you know, this can be a career path and this can be cool and it could be exciting, right? Like, um, so that's, that's pretty cool. That, that's, a, that's a good answer, by the way. That's awesome. We definitely need to diversify across all boards, uh, gender and race and everything it, because industrial design is a global is on a global scale right so you need to understand global markets not just like hey i'm going to design for one city or for one specific demographic um so it, it's it's to our benefit to get all perspectives from everyone from all around the world um and i also think that design history needs to diversify as well um because when i was in school i you know, well, I, I think it's still happening now, but design history, it's very Eurocentric and, you know, that's just how we were taught and, and um, you know, Dieter Rams is our design god and that's totally fine, right? But, you know, um, we never questioned it. We never said, oh, like, are there any more designers? Are there any Asian designers who have 10 principles or any like, you know, African designers or any like, Canadian you know like we just never questioned it we were okay with it and we lived with it um and I think I think design history needs a little disruption because it'd be great like it'd be really cool to know 
what else is out there and what else are people thinking um but uh yeah i have a couple more questions and we can kind of start wrapping this this conversation up uh the next question is um how are you keeping up you know especially with covid you're i'm sure you're you're working from home or you're teaching from home um what are you doing to make sure that your students get the best education from you that's a great question um so to me i feel like in some ways um covid is you know actually making some parts of things a little bit more streamlined and so i think here's the thing it's like one of my major classes at art center is the advanced you know 3d modeling right so what i do with the class is like my my concept there was that i realized through my time in the industry that there's a lot of not just students but even junior professional and junior designers in the real market you know working um they they struggle to to have that beautiful 3d model right so 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 it's it's a computer software you know program so i feel like you know before the way i used to teach was i would do live demos like in the computer lab and all the students are there and then you know step by step i have my ta walking around whenever someone doesn't you know get it like we all kind of stop a little bit and then they're like okay this you know you uh pierce this here or you know select this there um but you know we in my opinion i felt like that's going to be mission impossible to do like on right so then you know i had to put in a little bit of work um to 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 do like a pre-recording of all my demos but then once i got all those demos pre-recorded what it did was it it kind of opened up more time for me to give like catered advice to the students um during those class hours right so imagine before i used to like have to like you know do the live demo but then now while the students are are doing the demos remotely i'm meeting with each student one on one for like 30 minutes and then we're looking at their design we're looking at their sketch and then i'm giving them like sometimes i'll like just model right on top of their model and say look this is a way better way to approach it or to build it and then i'm not giving them the model but they're recording the session so later they can like go step by step and then they are the ones who actually do it but i'm giving them the right methodology and i'm giving them the right workflow and i'm giving them the right strategy to build their product like in a way that like you see them you know you see their light their eyes light up when you know before when they put it into keyshot wasn't so exciting right but then now there's like the subtle surfaces and all these different areas and then now bringing in the key shot they're like oh wow like it's just looking more professional like it's got all the part lines and the little fillets everywhere and like subtle gradations that that weren't there because that that surface was flat but now it has like this little bit of surface there so i feel like with covid it gave me this opportunity to be able to give a lot more hands-on instruction with students and a lot of times even outside of like the class hours um students will you know they'll send me you know hey like you know here check out my model like this wasn't working and like i can just really quickly like it's not like oh i got to drive up to campus and like oh we got one <laughs> and plan all this stuff it's very asynchronous that like oh i wake up in the morning i have like an extra hour before i'm about to 
go do this or do that. Um, I just open it up, take a look. I open up my own Zoom and I'm just by myself. I press record and then I'm just talking and showing images, showing, you know, do some CAD, like give them some advice. Maybe I have my tablet there. And so maybe if, if it's like a really tough question, like, oh, how do you model this VR headset? Um, instead of spending an hour trying to just, oh, I'm going to model it too. Like I'm like sketching on the tablet. Like, okay, you, you do this, you do this, you get the main form first, then you break it up into all these details. And then this, this, and that. And so we can have like three or four check-ins in a week. Um, whereas like in the real world before then, it's it's one check-in per week, right? And so you all know, if you have a couple more check-ins, like your work incrementally gets better and better, like in each one of those little check-ins. So now instead of 14 check-ins, which is like the 14 week art center thing, now I can get to 28 or 30 or 40 check-ins with students. And and if, if the student is passionate, they'll be hitting me up, you know, at least one additional time per week saying, hey, here's my model. What do you think? What's what's going on? How do you how do you think what's going on? And so I've I've realized that in a lot of ways, um, obviously we're as designers, we always try to find kind of the best of what's been given to us. And uh, and I just feel like that at least for just 3D modeling, um, I feel like, you know, doing this online is super efficient. And then in, we may in some way keep some of this going even when the world goes back open, you know, because like it, it can become pretty efficient to do it that way. But on the other hand, if you're doing like more of a traditional product class where you're talking about like craftsmanship, the craftsmanship of your work on the wall or making mock-ups or, you know, presentation skills, like obviously those are not the best to translate into the online world, you know? So I felt right. like for me, um, because I am like kind of the 3D modeling uh, guy, even though we do, I do sometimes teach a product design class as well. Um, I do feel that COVID has been kind of friendly in that scenario that I feel like I've, I've seen that, you know, some students, they're fast, you know, so it's like, if they're really good, they can fly through the demos and now they're on their way and more efficient. But when we used to do the demos all together, like, yeah, if you're really good and this person's not good, it's like, okay, you, you better hold on. We're going to be here a while. No. And like it allows other students, it allows you to press pause, you know? And like the thing, it's like when we're doing live demos, I think we know in today's day and age, the attention span isn't what it used to be. You know, we're used to like instant like information and moving from one thing to another. And like, you know, a student thinks about one little thing for like five seconds and they just missed me say three or four things. And now, they're in a flutter, right? But with a video demo, it's like, you know, they can press pause, you know, they can rewind and watch it again. And they're doing it at their own pace. And that's where I feel like there's a win there. It's really funny because prior to COVID, it's almost like we forgot that we have computers and cameras and all this equipment available to us. And then, and then COVID hit and a lot of schools did not do a good job at transitioning over to online education. They like were like, what the hell is happening? Um, and a lot of students were frustrated um, because they're still paying the same tuition. And, and they were complaining, like, I'm getting like, you know, 
a freaking sandwich in a plastic container, kind of fire festival style. Um, and I'm paying like $60,000 to come here. Right. Um, but it's funny because the tools exist. Right. And, uh, you know, I was able to adapt. I like you completely agree with you. The COVID is very awful and it's pretty bad. And lots of people have paid for it. There's a silver lining and and how to really adapt and, and bring out the best and be efficient and, uh, a lot of students, um, for those educators that did transition well and were able to strategize, a lot of students uh, definitely uh, benefit from it because now you don't have to, you know, get ready an hour prior to class so that you can drive to campus. And, you know, it's a whole process, right? And and now you're just like, I'm ready to go, you know? And um, yeah, you can talk to more people. It's a little more intimate. It's weird how just never in a million years would we imagine that we would be in this scenario. <laughs> so I hope that uh, education and other educators really learn and take advantage of this now because I can tell you that this won't be the first time that this happens, right? And uh, I hope it is, crossing my fingers. But um, that leads us to our last question and our question to wrap up this conversation. Um, so Jeff, so we talked about your career and we talked about education and uh, now you're you know, in LA. Um, you know, I know that, um, you know, I'm sure that you'll continue to do design for the rest of your life, but now you're part of education. And I'd like to know, like, is education part of your, the rest of your life as well? Is it as equally as important as it is, you know, working and accepting consulting jobs? Yeah. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's, I don't know. It's so funny. It's like, I don't even really like in my own head, I don't really see it as like education per se, you know, it's like, I see it more as like experience. And it's like, for me, it's like the experience that I really love is creating, you know, like creating some product or create, you know, uh, designing and, and, you know, solving those problems, digging into those things. And like, I feel like when I'm teaching at Art Center, I don't really feel like I'm part of really like education per se I feel it's more like like I'm just sharing my experience and knowledge and and we're co-creating you know it's like a lot of times you know here's the thing and this might you know everyone has different opinions on on what's the proper way to do things but for myself I feel like you know these students are paying a lot for for what you know they're getting right and you know some students they struggle with like how to be creative how to come up with a unique form or like how to, you know, do something exciting. And a lot of times for myself, I see that as a problem to solve too, you know? So it's like, like, I'll show them examples like, hey, like, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Like, you know, I'll sketch a little form for them as a little inspiration for them to go if they can't do it for themselves. And I feel like that's what you're paying for, you know? It's like, it's like, I'm not really that teacher that's like, figure it out. Oh, that's not good. Figure it out. Oh, work harder. You know, it's like, because, hey, you can kind of do that on your own. <laughs> you know, it's like, you don't need to spend all this money, like, for me to tell you to figure it out. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm here to help you figure it out. And I want to show you an example of how I've figured it out in the past. And I have lots of 
years of experience, you know, figuring it out in a lot of very heavily constrained situations, as you could imagine, like you said, working for Samsung, sometimes it's not, we're not always designing like a hundred percent for the end consumer, right? There's, there's lots of moving parts there and political things and, and all kinds of stuff happening. Right. But I enjoy that freedom of like, Hey, when we're in school, we are designing, you know, for the user, we are trying to, we're not designing under a political situation, right? It's like, we want to do what's best for the user and what we believe in as designers, make the world a better place, like what, you know, Stan Kong had, you know, impressed onto me as a, you know, PCC student. So it's like, I can see, I was just telling my wife this other day, she's talking about, oh, if we do this and we do this, like we can retire, like, oh yeah, we can retire and we'll do this and we'll do that. And I'm like, I don't want to retire. Like I have no interest in retiring because I love doing this so much that like, hey, if I can do this until I'm 60 or 70, like, you know, I'm not sure if you heard, but Gary Meyer, um, he recently passed away, but he was like a legendary art center instructor who taught perspective. And uh, he went to school art center the same time as like Sid Mead. They were like classmates, you know, and like he taught entertainment designers and all these guys. And I took him for perspective at art when I started art center. And, uh, and then I remember like, okay, I come back like 20 years later as a teacher and I still see him like, you know, walking to his classroom. And it's like, yeah, like that's what we live for. You know, like, like retiring doesn't sound, if you really love what you're doing, like, am I going to retire from mountain biking? No. Like, am I going to retire from hiking? Am I going to retire from having fun or traveling or drinking a beer? Like, no. So it's like, why would I retire from like, you know, from teaching and design and co-creating, you know? So, so my feeling is like, I'm in this for, you know, the passion and, and I love doing it. And it's like, I just feel lucky more than anything else that, that I get to do something that at the end of the day, I do it for free. If, if money was no thing and, and I was like, you know, rich enough to just do what I want and not have to worry about it, I'd do it for free. Absolutely. So it's like in that scenario, um, you know, you, you can consider yourself someone lucky if you really feel that like, hey, this is something that that you really care about that much, you know? And I, I just wonder even myself, like, okay, as I get older, like right now, I have a great gift to for the students, you know? And they all realize like, hey, I'm pretty, you know, I got out of the industry not too long ago. Like I have a very fresh knowledge and skill set and understanding of the products. And a lot of students are really interested in consumer electronics. So like the knowledge I can give them now is super valuable. And I wonder like how that might transition throughout the years um, you know, obviously, as I get older, the industry is going to change. Um, but, you know, I, I like to stay involved with, you know, how the world is evolving. And, you know, my wife and I are working on, you know, little house projects here and there. So I have a little bit of design things happening. But also, you know, our, our son, you know, like, I really, I really do have a hope that he would want to go down a similar route. And so maybe he might be something that's going to help keep me relevant and in the loop as an instructor into like my you know 40s 50s or 60s and that's what i really want at the end of the day is i want to provide something for the students that is worth 
the investment, not just time, but also financial, because we all know that um, design education is, is very expensive. So my goal is always to provide a tangible um, result and experience for them that they really feel like they're getting their, their money's worth. I can definitely agree with you. Like, uh, uh, I don't even think twice about being in education. I've been doing this for seven years and um, it is the most fulfilling job in the world. Like you said, if money was, if, if the world didn't operate on, on, on money and uh, I would do it for free as well. Absolutely, 100%. This is the most, probably the best job I've ever had in my life out of all the companies that I worked at and consultancies. Like I'm, I'm, uh, I love what I do and it, and, and therefore it is not a job for me. Right. So, um, but um, really grateful to have an opportunity to talk to you. Uh, um, you have an awesome story. Thank you so much for inspiring us. For those who are listening, I am going to uh, just link, you know, Jeff's social media channels uh, in the description. Um, I hope that you were able to benefit from his story and don't hesitate to reach out to us. Um, Jeff, thank you so much. Um, and thank you for everything that you do for the community. And uh, yeah, keep motivating those students. And uh, we hope that uh, once this whole COVID stuff goes away, you and I are able to, you know, catch up and get some beers. Um, but other than that, uh, for those who are listening, thank you so much. And we will see you on our next episode. Awesome, Hector. Definitely. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to talking design and, and all this stuff, you know, it's, uh, it's super fun. So again, thanks for the invitation. And it was truly a pleasure. Sure is. Thank you so much. Talk to everyone soon. Thank you for joining us today. Let's continue this conversation on our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Discord. You can find us at Contacts with Advanced Design on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Contacts is produced by Advanced Design with editing and production by Bitwell Benitez and music by Shy Day from Pixabay.